Welcome to Should Have Backed It, episode two. Uh, back once again, really popular feedback from last week, which is exciting, and we'll get to some of that feedback mechanisms in a minute. Before I go any further, let's introduce the stars of the show, Herald Sun racing expert, Chris Venuccio. How are you, Chris? Hello, John. Yeah, I'm going pretty good. I thought it was a tough day last weekend, and we're looking forward to this weekend making amends. Oh, aren't we all? Big cracking card. And our punting expert, Phil Georgios. Phil, how are you? G'day, John. G'day, Big V-Nuts. Good to be back. I'm very well, mate. Looking forward to a huge weekend at Sandown. Now, before we get into the main, uh, the uh, the title segment of the show, should have backed it, uh, and you should have sacked it, Phil, I'll just get you to remind the listeners, we've got a few new ones we've noticed uh, from last week, how they can get in touch with the show. Where where, where are the, uh, where's the action out there? Look, there's a couple of ways, John. Probably the easiest way for most people is just to jump on Twitter. Uh, but you can also catch us on the email. And I know, John, you like to write sort of longer sort of prose when you write into shows. So if you are that way inclined, you can jump on the email as well. The details of that are in the show notes. And just on Twitter there, John, we uh, slipped in a couple of our best bets of the day last week, a couple of which saluted. So uh, worth a look as well uh, heading into Saturday. Important shout out there, guys. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on Twitter. The guys did have their tips out there. And as Phil said, they were some uh, some juicy, juicy ones there. And if you've got any opinions or any topics you want us to talk about or any um, guests you want us to get on the show or anything like that, any suggestions, as Phil said, in the show notes, you'll find it, uh, the email address and the Twitter handle. We'll make sure that's there for you. Okay, so should have backed it time. Uh, Phil, can we go with your should have backed it and should have sacked it? For the listeners' benefit, we're going to do this every week to open the show. Yeah, well, look, my backed it and sacked it for last week uh, bookended the Flemington card. So my backed it was in the first and it was the winner of that race, So You See. I actually jumped off this horse after backing it in its last couple and uh, it really didn't perform well in its previous start when it ran in favourite, I think at about the $4 mark. But it had pulled up lame and it had EIPH and Big V's always taught us if they have EIPH next start, they're going to win and bounce back and that's exactly what So You See did. So... I was a little bit disappointed to miss out on that $7 because it was juicy odds for a horse that had been running favourite previously. Uh, as for sacked it, I'm going to go to the other end of the uh, card, as I said, and go to Jungle Jim. Um, I have no idea why I backed this horse. I think I'm going to blame Big V because it was one of his best bets for the day, I think. But ultimately, it was a poor decision. It was beaten really badly, actually, in the end. And Big V might be able to explain if it did pull up with any issues. But it was beaten by a, a horse that actually... We ran past it last time down the straight to Jumbuck. So there was really no reason to back it, certainly as favourite for that race. So, uh, yeah, a bit disappointed to have jumped on Jungle Jim last week. All right, Big V, why don't you tell us your should have backed it and should have sacked it from the weekend? Well, if I should have backed it, let's go to Flemington Race 3, Noble Heights. And when doing the form, I thought this horse just wins if it was a 2,500 to 2,800 metre race. But... The 2,000 metres might have been a bit too sharp for him, but he bolted in anyway, and I think that sets him up for a good prep. And you know, I'm looking forward to see where he's going, maybe the Adelaide Cup. So we'll keep an eye on him. And for my should have sacked it, I'm going with Bankmore in the CS Hayes, Flemington Race 6. I wasn't going to get involved in the race because I just had low confidence about it, but I got a really big push for it and I think that's a lesson just stick to your own assessment listen to your instinct and I think of all the tips that I get given I reckon only two percent 
get up. So just a reminder, just trust your gut. Similar theme for that. I should have sacked it there, Big V. Don't trust no one. <laughs> Absolutely. Boys, we'll pick through the uh, highlights of the weekend just gone and now. So uh, it's hard to start anywhere other than the Lightning. Now, the story of this race, obviously, was the uh, the champ, Nature Strip, who is now uh, into the latter part of his eight-year-old season. Uh, started pretty short as well uh, in the, uh, the Wait for Age sprint up the straight at Flemington. In the end, it was Cool and Gatto that got the chocolates. And uh, in behind, it was I Wish I Win and September Run, both surprising uh, with uh, with encouraging runs. What did you guys make of the race? I'll start with you, Chris. Well, I thought it was a bit surprising to see where Nature Strip finished off. And I think this was D-Day for him. I think we expected Nature Strip to come back at his best, had a, a break from the spring. I think there was... It was understandable why he dropped off late in the spring carnival because he did come back from rural Ascot. So I think we were expecting to see the the real or the best of Nature Street come back. But I think, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to jump the gun, but I think based on that performance, you've got to be wary of him now. And I'll be looking around Nature Street now. I know you don't write off a champ, but he's heading towards a, you know, becoming a nine-year-old. So yeah, just just the the surprise on how Nature Street performed and his stable mate. September run finishing past him. I mean, you just rarely see that. Yeah, I had similar views there, Big V. Uh, Nature Strip has, in its career, been known to throw in a couple of poor ones, often at very, very short odds. But I think it was just the way it was run past by a number of horses that you just expected it would either hold off or or run away from. That was a little bit surprising about this one, John. Uh, I'm not completely sold on jumping off Nature Strip, but if you put in a couple more runs like that, then maybe uh, there are bigger and better things for him in a post-race career. But I think the run of the race, obviously, was I wish I win. I mean, I mean, Coolangatta won the race and has really stamped herself as a premier sprinter in Australia now. But those closing sectionals, and if you watch that back, it's it's kind of Chautauqua-like, the way the way it flies and it almost catches Coolangatta at the end. So, yeah, definitely an eye-catcher there. And at one point, September run looked the winner. So it was one of those races down the Flemington Strait where you kind of didn't know where to look. Yeah, I've got I wish I win as my new market horse at the moment. He'll be better at 1,200. We know that he can – his best distances might be 1,500, 1,600. So really excited about him. And also Bella Nipotina, I think she's got the William Reed. Uh, I, I think she's got the um, the, the William Reed as well as the, the Quokka, you know, grasp as well. So I think Bella Nipotina and Aisha Win are the two to follow from the, new, uh, from the Lightning. Okay, so we'll go through a couple of the other results, uh, key talking points from the day. So uh, there was one other upset, which was up in Sydney. After Cabin went down at a pretty short price against uh, the uh, big three-year-olds in the Hobartville Stakes. Phil, did you see that race? Yeah, I did catch it, John. And um, yeah, look, when you're a sixty, obviously all eyes are on you. And if you don't perform well or or win easily, then you're, you're going to get your criticism. But I actually didn't think it was the worst run by Aft Cabin. It obviously, was caught wide throughout, had to move forward and was put under pressure by the leader communist there. And it, it, look, uh, at Rose Hill, the leaders were doing a little bit better. Running on was pretty challenging, but it, it yeah, it would have done well to hold on and win that race. So I'm actually not totally jumping off after Cabin. It was probably over bet based on its really good first up run. And I think it can come back and win again uh, in, and later it, in the prep. 
it's not its group one either. Like, like it's not its grand exactly. final, sorry. Yeah, so I think there's bigger fish to fry for that. Now, Chris, your big uh, talking point coming into the weekend was the return of Ana Vista. You must have been pretty excited with how that went down, down in Flemington. Yeah, that was a massive performance. I think a new peak from her. And, and she won the same race last year. And I think that they're going to follow the same program with her, go to the Emancipation and then the Group 1 Queen of the Turf. Queen of the Turf. She did get beaten the Emancipation as a short favourite last year before rebounding in the Queen of the Turf. So I would be cautious about backing her second up if she was a short price again, but don't dismiss her third up going into that Group 1. I think that's a really important point from a punning perspective, Big V, because patterns of horses actually matter. So if you have seen that happen before where she did stylishly win that same race last year and then had that dip, I I agree, completely be a bit wary next time. She might go out and win, that's fine, but you're probably only going to get $1.80, $1.90 to find out. And that win, John, for me, was just about the win of the day. She was put under immense pressure, ran some really sharp sectionals, and then went away from the field towards the end as well. So a startling return from Ana Visto. But, yeah, be wary and, and wait for those grand finals, I think, from here. Cool. And the other uh, the other big uh, win of, of the weekend was Elliptical in the uh, three-year-old Colts race down in Melbourne. I think it's the CSAs at Flemington. Uh, came from the back of the field. Reminded me a little bit of uh, Super Seth a couple of years ago, Phil, in that Caulfield <laughs> Guineas win against uh, Alligator Blood. Same sire too. But uh, did either of you uh, take anything out of Elliptical's win? Uh, yeah, that, that bit of a blanket finish, that one. So hard to really take a huge read out of it, other than obviously a great return from Elliptical. But I think you can probably look at a few of those horses that were within a length, you know, sort of first five or six and be pretty comfortable moving forward with those horses as well. But yeah, obviously a great return. Big V should have sacked it trailing off about eight there as well. So um, he would have been probably not even focused on that part of the race, so Big V. No, well, I did have a, a watch of the replay. I did force myself to do it. And, <laughs> uh, I did think, uh, I thought Bankmore had every chance because you look at attrition and elliptical were behind him and they finished ahead of him. So, so Bankmore had every chance, even though he could have been closer in the run. But I'm happy to take on this form with Jack and O in the Australian Guineas. But I think elliptical, you know, might be one you can stick with getting up to maybe 2,000 metres of the Rosehill Guineas. Indeed. Now we'll uh, move on to some of the key talking points of the week. And the uh, Racing Victoria have done us a big favour and uh, and dropped their, their schedule changes, their much mooted schedule changes on the day we record. So we can uh, obviously promote that up the batting order. Uh, Chris, I might start with you. I'll just quickly summarise the changes and then get both of your takes on it. Uh, so the, in the end, the Cox Plate has not been moved and it feels like that might have been the uh, the only item that was really the, generating any real news headlines out of this. So once, once that wasn't moved, this became a much less significant change. But a couple of big group ones, when, you know, that is where where the money is and also where the stallion and breeding value is. A couple of the group ones have been moved. They're the Caulfield group ones. So the Rupert Clark is moved from sort of mid-September to November 18, so the week after the old Stakes Day, which is now Champions Day. And 1,000 guineas has also moved. So, Chris, what do you make of those changes? Well, I think sanity prevails with the Cox Plate, even though I think the door has been left open for a you know, possible change in the future, but I think that should be slammed shut. I just think there's too many negatives making that shift um, compared to whatever positives you there might be. I think moving the Manicado on the Cox Plate Day makes sense based on the turnover they got for that race last spring. And with regards to the 1,000 guineas moving, I think that's a great decision. 
you know, to have a, a meeting centered around that race. And then you have the, the Blue Sapphire also on that program going up from 1,200 to 1,400. So I think that might be a good lead-up race for the Sandown Guineas a couple of weeks later. And even some of the horses in the 1,000 Guineas might also use that race, you know, to go towards the Sandown Guineas and try and get some, you know, some late spring win. Um, and, yeah, I just think, uh, yeah, that's a, a great move and looking forward to it. Phil, I, I don't think uh, you'll mind me saying you're a bit cynical that the Cox Plate change was ever going to happen. Do you think this? Um, do you think there was a bit of tactics in the way it all worked out? And uh, you know, do you think maybe the wagering license being up for renewal had any role in this? Yeah, well, I, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit cynical uh, there, John. But it had a little bit. You know how the, every year the uh, AFL come out and mute different times that the grand final is going to start, and then it always ends up two thirty on a Saturday. That had that kind of vibe, just sort of getting a bit of publicity, and I guess getting the the opinion of of, of race the racing industry and punters as well about a muted move. But I, I didn't ever envisage what was going to happen this year, and it may may not happen for several years. But yeah, I was a little bit cynical about that whole media beat up but overall i think they've probably landed on a reasonable um you know progression in terms of how they've set up the, the spring adding that extra saturday group one meeting i think is a really positive thing some of those wednesday meetings in the middle of spring get a bit lost people are at work and can't get out to the uh the tracks etc so from just a, a layman punning perspective i think it's a, a positive move and will give us um better races on on more saturdays now in uh in in the peak period and one other interesting point out of this uh, that Matt Welsh, the new uh, operations guy at Racing Victoria, made. He's xracing.com, so he's a he's a media guy first and foremost. It's an interesting one. They've uh, one of the ideas they're trying to toy with with this late November stuff is to get more uni students and high school students into the industry, just getting them interested. And it's always been tricky with early November because that's when all their exams are. So, and I do remember being in uni and having a couple of dilemmas about exams versus uh, versus cup weeks. So uh, I can understand their logic there. Chris, we'll just have a couple, get your couple of comments from you on a couple of quick issues. So um, the World Pools made its debut. We talked about what that was last week. Did you have any takeouts from that? Well, I think the, the success of the World Pool was the, the large pools and the confidence you can have a, a big bet. And, and not be knocked back. And also, they paid out in five-cent dividends instead of rounding down to the, the nearest. <laughs> I noticed that, yeah. So, but, but, but it just shows that if they can do it for that, why can't they do it, you know, all the time? And it, it, that is robbing from punters. Yeah, it, it does add up. But I thought the concerns were the takeout was higher. So there was a few races where the winner – paid significantly shorter than what they did on New South Wales and the Queensland totes. And Mahabra and Coolangatta were the ones that stood out. And it was also similar with some of the place dividends as well. But I think the conclusion is that instead of having a world pool, I think everyone needs to get on board and, and try and formulate a national tote. Because if you do have that, you know, that big pool, you might be you'll probably get, you know, decent returns. And uh, one last one from you, Chris. There was a bit of a, a loss in the racing industry. Media personality, Adine Lester, who had uh, all kinds of health challenges thrown at him throughout his uh, throughout his life, passed away last week. Uh, we were having a bit of a chat off air. Quick comment from you on that. We're three young-ish blokes uh, creating content here, and there's no doubt that uh, he would have been a big influence in the sort of ideas that we, we put forward for this show. 
Yeah, I agree. Racing has lost not only one of the best tipsters, but also analysts. I think his wisdom and how he dissects a race and you know, pinpointing you know, targets for horses will be missed. And I remember last spring he forecast a long way out. Hitotsu was the horse to back in the derby, and, and that's what happened. You know, regard, regarding his health issues, they've been well documented, but I never heard him ever complain listening to him on radio or TV. And I think we can take some inspiration from that. Whenever we, we get, things get tough in our lives, you know, we should always, you know, remain positive about ourselves. Well said, mate. You know, I think, yeah, he, he did most of his content the last two or three years during COVID in his bed, um, which is pretty impressive when you think about it because his voice was on the radio all the time and on television as well. All right, we'll look ahead to uh, next week. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of cracking races coming up. Acceptances have been finalised today. We're racing at Sandown and Randwick. Now, Phil, this meeting traditionally is at Caulfield. It's at Sandown this year. It's worth explaining to the listeners why that is. That's because uh, whereas uh, the three three Melbourne metropolitan courses, if you include Mornington, are all run by the Melbourne Racing Club. This Caulfield is one of them, so they don't need to give their meeting away to another racing club. They can run it at one of their own tracks. So that's why it's at Sandown. You've spent a lot of time at both tracks. What do you think would be the main difference for our listeners in the the two tracks? Why does it matter that a race like the Blue Diamond or Oakley Plate is being run at Sandown rather than Caulfield? Yeah, it's a good point, John. And I think, you know, traditionally races like the Oakley Plate out of the chute um, traditionally with 20 horses, you know, you, you do have to look at where your horse is in the barriers and things like that and and, and how they're going to sort of navigate the course there at Caulfield because it can be quite a sharp turn. But Sandown's a very different kettle of fish. I actually think Sandown's the best punting track, certainly in Victoria, um, certainly in me- metropolitan Melbourne, because it's a long, straight, nice and open and really gives all the horses a really even chance, I think, to to be successful Okay, Chris, we've got the Futurity, the Oakley Place and the Blue Diamond at Sandown and then up in Sydney, the Chipping Norton and the Surround Stakes. What is getting you excited about Saturday? Well, I will go to the Oakley Plate and, yeah, no, the Oakley Plate is going to be a great race. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a race that I'm going to have a bet into because I think it's going to be pretty tough. I think it's going to be a great spectacle all right, our final segment each week will be the final furlong. We've got a different question we're going to ask our uh, our guests each week. This week, it's which horse would you repoint with the big spring, uh, sorry, autumn riches coming up in Melbourne and Sydney and Perth now as well. Which horse would you aim in a different direction after seeing how they went last weekend to kick it off? I'll go with mine, which is elliptical. I think it would be a cracker in the Queen Elizabeth at the end of the uh, championships up in Sydney. Uh, Phil, you got one for us? Yeah, well, you mentioned it earlier, but I wish I win showed an, an amazing turn of foot there. And I think they're probably going towards an all-star mile and, and, and likely still head down that way. But I think it opens up a, n- a number of sprint races for it now if it can show that turn of speed and, and, and keep that throughout its prep that, you know, you got uh, obviously it'll have a go at the new market, but TJ and All Age Stakes and others as well. So, yeah, I wish I win's really opened up its opportunity, I think, this spring, uh, autumn. And the final word again goes to the big V. Well, I'm going to go to the same race in Newmarket and focus on Morabi. Maybe if it's if they're going towards the Newmarket or the William Reed, I think maybe the Galaxy over 1100 might be best for her rather than the 1200 meter races. 
Yeah, fair shout. Gents, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, as Phil said at the start, you can find us on Twitter or via email. Uh, give us your thoughts and feedback, and we'll be back uh, next next Wednesday night recording again with the intention of giving you all this content on your way to work on Thursdays. What do they say, Phil? As always, good luck on the punt. <laughs>